Amen. So if I wake up and I'm breathing his air, God's been good to me. Amen. Been good to every one of us today. Amen. So we're going to kind of strike off into this this lesson this month. We're going to be talking about reflecting the character of our Heavenly Father. And on the lesson it goes on to say, through the life of Jesus Christ. Okay? So we're going to go right into this and go into the book of Galatians chapter 4. And we're going to read verse uh, 1 through 7. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. If you're there, say amen. Or when you get there, say amen. Give everybody a chance to get there. I know it's up on the screen, but you might not need to make a note in your Bible or something, so I'll let you get there. Praise God. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from the servant, though he be Lord of all. But it is under but is under tutors and governors and the time appointed until the time appointed of the father of the father even so we everybody say we when we were children were in bondage under the elements of the world it's talking about spiritual children right but when the fullness of time was come god sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law, to redeem them, I say, that's me, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So we're all adopted spiritual sons, aren't we? Right? And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. You've been elevated. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Amen? And 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1. 1 Corinthians 11, 1. This is the Apostle Paul speaking here. And he says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Be ye followers of me. He's talking to the church at Corinth, and by extension, really, all churches, even up to this day. Be ye followers of me, as I am also of Christ. Amen. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your midst today, to be among your people, Lord, that you would use me and my voice to minister somebody something to somebody today that they need to hear. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And so we're going to talk about reflecting the character of our Heavenly Father. How important is that, that we do that? It was so important that, In God's great plan for us, he sent his son to this earth. He made it very personal so that we would have an up-close, live, and personal 
one-on-one, not we specifically, but the church, that we would have a one-on-one personal view of what, how we were supposed to act in this world. His name was Jesus Christ. He was the God of glory. He could be in all places at all times, and he knew all things and all that. But he made it personal to us. So he wanted to make sure that we had an example to follow, someone that was just like us, that had flesh just like us, that felt pain just like us, that felt tired and hungry and all those things just like us, so that as uh, our example we could say, hey, he, he was just like me, but yet he lived without sin. Right? And he had all of these character traits that he, that he professed and that he lived before the disciples in that day. And, and some of it, some of it was the words that he said, but some of it was just his life as an example of what to do or what not to do. So we're going to talk about that. So our Lord and Savior, I'm, I'll tell you, let's go, let's step back. Let's go to the book of John chapter 17 verse 6. John 17 and 6, read a couple of scriptures here real quick. It says, I have manifested thy name, it's Jesus talking to the Father, unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Everybody say, that's me. Let's see, i got to find my place here. Thine they were, and thou gavest them to me, and they have kept thy word. So we all belong to him. He said, thine they were, and you gave them to me, and you sent me down here so that, so that I could put some stuff into these, these guys. And then in the book of 1 John, chapter 1, verse 2, It says, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. So Jesus came to manifest some things to us, to give us examples, that that concept of of of, of examples is, is borne out quite a bit in the Bible, in the New Testament, about things being done for our example, for something, for an example for us to follow. So we're going to get into this, this subject and kind of launch off into this today. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ manifested numerous desirable traits that were, our, were of our Heavenly Father. So where do you get your traits most of the time when you're, when you're a kid? You get them from your dad or your mom, your, your extended family, people around you, right? So, so to bring out the context of, of what the initial scripture that we read in Galatians, we need to go back to about three, to, to chapter three. Let's go back there to Galatians. So 
So Galatians chapter 3, verse 23 through 29 says, But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which was which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster. For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. That's all of us, right? For as many of you as have been baptized under Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye all are one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye a Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We are heirs according to the promise that God gave Abraham, that he would bless every family of the earth. And so we've become those heirs today. Paul says that we were all adopted and made to be sons, spiritual sons. We became heirs to the throne of Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Our Heavenly Father has adopted us. We, When children are born into a natural family, they receive their own set of personality traits that are they're inherited by the genes. Right? And that... And then their personality traits are absolutely affected by the personalities and tendencies and the idiosyncrasies of both parents that they grow up around. Everybody agrees with that, right? Your kids, if I can say it this way, are a product of you if you're raising kids. So however you act when you're driving the car, what you say to other drivers, and and how you act in the store, and they're watching you. Aren't they? You're, those little those little persons are watching everything you do and every listening to everything you say. They've got their own personality that they got through the genes that were passed when they were born, but they're they're really being molded by their the environment around them, what they hear and what they see and what they feel and all those kind of things. And so, really, that's really what what happens when we come into the kingdom. We begin to take on the traits of the one that was sent here to be our example. So we're going to talk about some of those traits today. All right? Is that okay? Praise God. So so if, if something was manifested, that means it was made visible, it made apparent, it was known, it was shown openly and public. So... If you look at the ministry of Jesus Christ, everything he did in his ministry was very, very public. He didn't do anything behind a door, hardly. He did it all very, he went out to the people. He didn't say, come to me. I know it says, come to me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's not literally come to me, because he didn't practice that. He went out. He went out and talked to people. He went out and confronted people. He went out and, and touched people. You know, he, he touched the lepers. He touched the, the miscreants. He touched the ones that nobody wanted to mess with. He intentionally went to those people. Because he was exercising one of his traits. And so his, part of his ministry 
I believe, as the Messiah and the Savior of the world, he made sure to leave behind a legacy of what life as a follower of Christ or a Christian should be like. And so there's no doubt in our minds if we if we own a Bible, if we sit and hear any kind of preaching and for any length of time, there's no doubt in our minds, or there shouldn't be, how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to walk, how we're supposed to talk, all those things. So we're going to kind of just dive right into these. These I know I've got here ten character traits of Jesus that everybody should emulate. There's way more than ten, okay? These are just ten that that, that I just kind of, Felt like the ones that I needed to to address, but there's way more than ten, and so I I challenge you to to go out and, and and to search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. So if you want to be like Jesus, if you there's a guy named Dave Ramsey. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of him, but he's he's a pretty prolific guy. And and one of the things that he says, if you want to be successful at real estate or plumbing or whatever go hang around people that are successful at that thing because they got to be successful by doing all the right stuff and saying all the right things and and whatever 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 they were doing to be successful in that endeavor in their life so if you want to be successful at that or just in general if you want to be successful hang around successful people that's in the natural so if we want to be like jesus what does that mean? Go hang around Jesus. Well, how do I do that? He's not living anymore. Oh, yes, he is. Oh, yes, he is. He's right here. He left us an example. He made sure that 12 guys got all prepared to take over when he left this earth so that they could sit there and write all this stuff down so we would have examples to follow. He left us no excuse. You want to look at it that way to be like him. So the first trait that we're going to talk about this morning is, is that he was compassionate. And I, to me, that's like the top of the list. You might have a different top of the list. That's my top of the list. He was compassionate. Matthew 9, 35 through 38. And Jesus went all, went about all the cities and villages teaching to their in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Jesus saw the multitude. He, he didn't just see a bunch of people that were, that needed a Big Mac meal from McDonald's. He saw, you have to understand that this is Jesus Christ. He's the, the, the God of glory. 
robed in flesh, walking around on this earth. And that was his creation. So he looked out over his creation and he saw their circumstance and their situation. He saw their need for salvation and, and it just, just wrenched his heart. And he was moved with compassion. He didn't just say, oh, I feel so sorry for them. No. He, he, he moved, he was moved to do something. That's why he told his disciples, there's a harvest field that's out there. And you're not going to reach it without having some compassion. You got to love those people. I'll never forget when I, not long after I got in church, I heard a message preached. I can't remember who said it, but it was a preacher's wife that was talking and she was talking about how she had to pray and ask God to give her a love for people. And she didn't really under, as a young, preacher's wife she didn't really understand her husband's ministry and he just said to her one day just pray and ask god to give you love for people and she did and one day one night she woke up in the middle of the night just just talking in tongues and she said it just hit her and god god answered her prayer right then and there she said from that day forward she had a love and compassion for people like she'd never had before so we got to ask god to give us that same spirit of compassion that he had Let me have some of that trait of yours, right? Matthew 5 and 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for what? They shall obtain mercy. That word mercy, one of the definitions in the Greek of that word mercy is compassion. Blessed are the compassionate, for they shall receive compassion. James 2 and 13 says, Judgment without mercy if, if you don't have judgment without mercy, he's not going to show you any mercy in judgment. You better have some compassion for people. Okay, if I can retranslate that and say it the way I would say it. You better have some compassion for people. You better be forgiving of some people. You better have a little mercy because there's going to come a day you're going to be judged and I'm going to, I'm going to base my judgment and mercy based on your judgment and mercy because you know, when he told his disciples how to pray, he said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So really what he's saying is, as you forgive, I'll forgive. As you have mercy, I'll have mercy. As you have compassion, I'll have compassion. And tell me if I'm wrong, but there's a whole lot of people in this city that need a whole lot of compassion. Because they don't know they're lost. They don't know. So I, I guarantee you there's some people that have never heard the name of Jesus uttered other than as a curse word. They don't even really know that there's a, that he exists. And they need our compassion. Well, how can I have compassion if I don't ever see you? You can have compassion in prayer, can't you? God, who's going to weep for this city? Who did he send here? Everybody look around. Look at yourself. <laughs> Who did he send here? He sent us here. He told his disciples, we just read it. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth laborers. Laborers with, he just, and he just talked about compassion right before that. Laborers with compassion. Not our compassion. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not in me, in my flesh, to love people. I gotta pray that God will give me that 
his love for people. That I can see beyond the things that would, that would cause me to kind of want to stand back away from them. Ooh, they stink. Or ooh, they do this. Or, or they don't dress that way that, or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Whatever. Whatever turns you off. You know, we have to get past that. And for me, the only way I'm going to get past that is to have that, is for God to flow through me and have that love and compassion that he had when he saw those people in need, in desperate need of everything, food, raiment, salvation, whatever it was. I want that kind of compassion, Lord. Let me see what you see. Not what I see with these eyes, but let me see what you see. Let me feel what you feel. Father, let me hear the cries of these people that are laying in their beds in the middle of the night, crying out and saying, God, if you're real out there, I hate this life I'm living. If you would just send somebody to talk to me and show me you're real. Well, you think people are praying that in this city? Absolutely they are. Absolutely they are. Help me, God. Help me, God, to have your compassion. He was not afraid of people. He showed that. If you read in your New Testament, in the in the Gospels, he wasn't afraid of people. He wasn't afraid to walk up and talk to the most, the filthiest, and and you know, he just wasn't afraid of people. And he was giving them an example. That took compassion. That took a willingness to, to say, I don't care what people think about what I'm doing. I don't care if they're dirty. I don't care if they're unclean. He was a Jew. He kept the Jewish, all the rules and regulations as a Jew. He did all those things. And I read in one place when it, the Bible says when he touched, when he reached out to touch that leper, I, I read one place that said the leper was actually healed before he touched him. Because he was still following the rules of a Jew. You don't touch anything unclean. So Jesus spoke spoke the healing before his hand ever touched the guy's skin. So the guy was clean when he touched him. But he had enough compassion to say, you know, even the woman that wasn't a Jew, who who he just said, well, he, you know, he called her a dog, basically. And she said, yeah, but the dogs even get to eat from the master's table. And he was like moved by that. Wow. She had more understanding than some of the Jews. He had compassion on people like that. We gotta ask God to give us His compassion. That, that, that attitude that I don't care what people think. I don't care what they smell like or look like. That's a soul. That's the way God looks at it. Give me your spirit of compassion. So, you know, certain people didn't talk to or associate with the Jews. It was kind of like the caste system in some countries today where you, you're marked with a mark and, and this group don't talk to that group and that group don't talk to that group because it's a pecking order thing. We got to get out of that mindset. We do. We don't get to pick and choose who gets into the kingdom. Revelation to somebody just now. <laughs> we don't get to pick and choose. You know, that, that scripture in the New Testament in Acts that says, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. In one translation it says, and the Lord added to the church daily such as were being saved. Why did it say that? Because somebody like you or somebody like you was out there preaching the gospel 
and saving their life. And who was doing the adding? We were just putting the gospel in them, just telling them what they needed to know, right? God was taking care of the rest, bringing them into the kingdom. So they were being saved by the vessels He sent to do it, right? None of those people got the Holy Ghost that day until Peter preached. Somebody had to go preach the gospel. Somebody had to go tell them. Somebody had to have compassion on that crowd. Because they could have just as easily stoned Peter that day as listened to what he had to say. They'd already done it to Jesus. You know, so he was sticking his neck out. He had compassion on those people. He said to himself when he preached, this is just me. There's going to be some people that are going to hear what I'm going to say because God's telling me to say it. And some people are going to be saved today and some aren't. But I'm not going to worry about who who does and who doesn't. I'm just going to preach it and let the chips fall where they may. This this is just me thinking. <clears throat> so Jesus' compassion was not something that fake or phony that he it was it wasn't a put on. Okay, like the religious Jews did. They would pretend to love you and they would pretend to have compassion as long as it fit their little agenda. Okay. His was sincere, and you know when you're when you're really sincere, people know it. In the realm of of the teaching profession, kids know. Tell me if I'm wrong. Kids know when a teacher really loves their job and really is there with a purpose and a goal to do something good for those kids. They can tell when the teachers like that, and when they're just there to fill fill up. They they're just there from 7:30 to 3:30, and they're done. Punching a clock. They can tell there's a difference. You know, and if you're in a medical situation and you're in the hospital, you can tell when that nurse really cares and when they're just doing their time. You can feel that. So we want people to feel the love of Jesus Christ whenever we're around them, even if we're not speaking a word. I want people, I don't want them to see Vince. I want them to see Jesus. I want them to feel something that they're saying to themselves or maybe even out loud. I don't know what it is about this person. There's something different. I just feel so good when I'm around them. Because that right there is an open door opportunity. That that breaks down a lot of barriers for you to minister to that person. Because you're you're showing forth the trait, the love of Jesus Christ, the compassion of Jesus Christ. He did not wait for them to come to him. He went where they were. He went to their circumstance and their situation. Every one of us in this room came to God in a totally different circumstance than everybody else. We all like a snowflake. We all have, we're all unique. We all have our, our own set of circumstances of problems and pressures and pains and all those things. And he walks us just like Paul. He goes, he walks us through our path. We're all in this race together. We're all on the track racing. We all have our own set of issues and God's got, He's going to get us there individually. I don't have to suffer some of the things you have to suffer and vice versa. But that's what, that's how God is. He's, each one of us is unique to Him and special to Him. He had compassion on us. He loved us. Somebody, He sent somebody to preach the gospel to us and and hope that we would hear it and listen and, re- and move upon it. And we did. And we here we are today. 
And it all goes back to somebody loving souls and having enough compassion to go outside of themselves and, and extend themselves beyond themselves to show love to somebody and hope that maybe they might love this gospel enough to come and receive it. Thank God. Thank God for that. Jesus told many parables regarding compassion. We're going to talk about three of them real quick. The woman caught in the act of adultery. He had compassion upon her. He didn't excuse her from her sin, but he did have compassion upon her. And he had enough compassion to kind of do what needed to be done and say what needed to be said to get rid of all of her accusers. Because at the end he said, where are thine accusers? There's all these people that dragged you in here. They're all gone. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He didn't. He didn't excuse her sin, but he did have compassion on her. The, the prodigal son, same thing. He just squandered his dad's riches and, and all those things. And, and they didn't, they didn't, the, the story doesn't say that he just overlooked the sin. He, he had to acknowledge his sin. But his father had compassion on him. He's young and he's, you know, all these things. And I, you know, now he's seen the light. I'm not going to beat him up over it anymore. We're just going to move on. That's compassion. The Good Samaritan. What a story of compassion. Jesus just showed that anybody is capable of having compassion. Even a Samaritan. Those wicked, evil Samaritans. Sometimes we can get so religious... We fail to have compassion, and somebody that's not religious shows compassion, and we're like, whoa, how did they do that? (laughs) Most unsuspecting person. And that's what this, this Samaritan was. He was the last guy anybody expected to stop on the road and do what he did. And he didn't just walk over and pat the guy and go, it's all right. You'll be all right. And walk away. No. He took him. He, he ministered to him. He took him somewhere. He put him up. He spent his own money. He invested himself. Compassion will cause you to invest yourself in whatever it takes. It's going to cost you some money. Can I say it that way? To save a soul, it might cost you some money. You might have to go to a lot of lunches and pay for it. You might have to go out of your way on a Saturday when you don't want to do that because you got other stuff on your schedule that you want to do. You might have to curtail your house cleaning for another time. Is that what's more important? What's more important? That soul is more important than your house cleaning. Not that house cleaning isn't important. All the ladies said amen. <laughs> But that that stuff will wait if it's me if it's a soul. You know we had we have a couple that we're ministering to that right after I got home yesterday they came over and and it wasn't convenient for my flesh, but I understood and realized that it, how important it was. They asked to come to my house. They wanted to come. A young couple wanted to come hang around with some old people. <laughs> And I thought, well, if they're asking to come, that's, and we've been praying, God, open the door and give us a Bible study. So 
you better have some spiritual sense and go, oh, okay, that's God. Two and two equals four. It still does. So you have to be willing to get outside of yourself and say, I'm going to show the love of Jesus. That's just me. In several places in Scripture, Jesus says he was moved with compassion. We just read one. And he he healed that man of leprosy, and that leprosy was what? A type of sin. Right? So we got to look past what we see with our natural eyes. Not just sometimes, all the time. we we got to be sensitive. Jesus stopped whatever he was doing. When blind Bartimaeus on the road, he stopped what he was doing. He was on and, and they, and his, his disciples tried to tell him, Oh, no, just be quiet, Bartimaeus. You're interrupting the whole deal here. Jesus said, No, bring him to me. He stopped what he was doing. So we got to do that. We got to be sensitive. Have his compassion. And so the next thing that he was, he was a servant. We're going to kind of bring this down to the landing pad here and talk about servanthood a little bit. He gave completely of himself wherever he went. And this ties right in with compassion, doesn't it? The book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 42. 42 to 45. 10, 42 to 45. But Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them, but so sh- but so shall it not be among you. What's he doing? He's talking to his disciples. He's exercising his authority. He's giving them some advice. He's showing them one of his traits. Because he, he didn't just talk about this idea. He actually lived it before them. But he's reiterating it to them. But so shall it not be among you. Whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. That word minister in the Greek means servant. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest or the, the top dog, if you want to say it that way, shall be a servant of all. That word servant actually means like slave, like the butler, you just do whatever the master tells you to do. You don't ask if it's a, you just do it. Yes, master. You know, that's what the butlers did in the old days. They just did whatever the homeowner wanted, needed them to do. And that's what he's telling you. You, you be a servant. For even the son of man, here's where he's hitting them hard. Even the son of man came not to be ministered unto. I'm, I didn't come for everybody to wait on me. But to minister, that's that same word servant, be a servant and to give his life a ransom for many. I'm giving my life a ransom. Now I expect you to do the same. I expect you to be a servant. What does that mean? I mean, we could go on for days about what being a servant means. It depends on the circumstances and the situation. You do whatever you got to do. 
It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be what you want sometimes. But to do that and, you know, Jesus went out of his way to have compassion and be a servant to people and to to see the stories and hear the stories of what he did and and imagine yourself being that one. I mean, I'll I'll never forget the first time somebody got the Holy Ghost in my living room in my quarters in Okinawa. It just thrilled me to death. I shouldn't say to death, but it thrilled me. <laughs> it thrilled me like like God honored my home and let this young lady get the Holy Ghost in my recliner. I was like, wow, this it was awesome. You know, I, I couldn't take credit for it other than we had her there and we had a Bible study. And next thing I know, she's up standing up, praying and talking in tongues. That was awesome. It was an awesome feeling to know that something I did for the kingdom made a difference in the life of somebody. And I got to watch it happen. I got to watch that baby be born. It was awesome. And that that all came came around to the whole idea of being a servant and showing compassion. We opened our home constantly to young Marines and people like that. And so that was that was the environment that we had. And so it, it just created that opportunity. Amen? He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. That word servant there on your paper, it says it is a minister, a servant, a deacon. According to some, it comes from diakonos, and it means in the dust laboring or running through the dust. Isn't that awesome? What does the Bible say about us? Remember, man, that what? You are dust? So we're just we're dust. We're just dirt. So that word servant means running through the dirt. That's us. How about that? Laboring in the dust, laboring, running through the dust. That's what he wants us to do. Serve the dust. Who's the dust? Everybody out there. Everybody at your workplace, your school, wherever it is you go. He wants us to be out there laboring among the dust. <laughs> in verse 28, he repeats, and I'm not going to read it in Matthew 20, 25 through 28. You can read that later. But in verse 28, he repeats what he said in Mark, recorded, even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister. He re- When Jesus repeats stuff, it's like, pay attention. When I was in... In the military, getting going through training, that instructor would be teaching us about something, and he would stomp his foot whenever he would say something. And we were all like, what's that all about? You know, we're just still students. And he said, when I do that, pay attention. You're going to see that again. And he'd move on. <laughs> I don't know if he was teaching tests, but he was trying to get us to pay attention. This is an important fact. This is an important thing right here. And that's what Jesus does when he repeats himself. He's saying, this is important. Being a servant is important. Having compassion is important. I'm repeating myself not because I'm old or, or senile, but be, I'm doing it for a reason. Amen? So, you know, he, he was trying to see his disciples didn't understand. They thought it was about a literal kingdom. And he, he had to keep, keep reminding them, no, 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 no. It's not about a kingdom down here. It's about a kingdom up there. And we got to remember that 
as I bring this to a close this morning. It's about a kingdom up there. And it's not about us getting any glory any either. Oh, look what I did. Look at the souls I saved. You better be giving God the glory for that. Amen? So we need to ask. We need to, you know, I... When I'm driving to work, when I'm driving home from work, praying and talking to the Lord, especially when I'm going to work, I, I want to make sure in the morning that I'm, when I step out of that vehicle and walk in that building and be around those people, I want to make sure, and I ask the Lord, please make sure that I'm reflecting you and not me. So, I mean, I'm a likable guy, but I don't want them to see me. I mean, I know he's going to use my personality and my who I am to get but I want them to feel Jesus. I want them to feel that compassion that those people felt. They knew that this Jesus, whoever this guy was, he loved me. He, he, he took time out to come over and talk to me. I want them to feel that without me saying a word so that God can open the door for me to say a word, to drop a word, to say something to them, to minister to them. So next week we're going to talk about... Uh, him being loving and forgiving and maybe committed. We'll see how it goes, but amen. God bless you. Lord, we love you today, and thank you for this opportunity to be before your people. I pray that words that I've spoken today have ministered in this place to those that have been within the hearing of this word today. In Jesus' name, amen. See you back at 1030.